You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Black influencers expose themselves as battery-backed, useful idiots during the Kyrie Irving. Hebrews to Negroes controversy. They unintentionally revealed a truth about modern celebrity. The digital media age rejects adherence to a set of values and requires obedience to the whims of public opinion. Social media platforms control the whims of public opinion. With no values or consistent worldview to guide them, digital influencers botch their reaction to Irving's harmless tweet. LeBron James's forced comments about Jerry Jones last night are another attempt by James to establish a new position on Kyrie Irving and win the approval of his social media followers. LeBron James is pookie from New Jack City. He wants that good dopamine again. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Thursday uh, to you and yours. Uh, it's the day before Friday. The weekend's almost here. I'm excited about today's show. We have a lot to discuss. Royce White, Steve Kim are, are going to be here to help me discuss it. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, LeBron James and Jerry Jones and ESPN and Stephen A. Smith and uh, Jay Williams and all the reaction uh, that's going on because LeBron James called out the media last night, in his opinion, for not asking him questions about uh, Jerry Jones. We're going to get into that. I'm going to start a fire, and then I'm going to go to Royce, and then I'm going to go to Steve Kim. Steve Kim and I may also uh, address some additional issues in sports. Deshaun Watson's coming back. There's a big Thursday night football game tonight. Patrick Peterson roasted Kyler Murray. And Jerry Stackhouse got tossed uh, from a basketball game uh, last night. We may get to those topics, but I may spend so much time and get so fired up about this LeBron James, Jerry Jones deal that we may not uh, go anywhere beyond that. Uh, so let me, before I get too fired up and too in an angry mood, let me talk about something that makes me really, really happy. Preborn. You guys know I love preborn. Uh, tragically, every minute unborn babies' futures are sucked out of existence, but amid the darkness, there's a light that shines, and that's preborn. Preborn introduces mothers considering abortion to their unborn babies through ultrasound. Once they hear that heartbeat and see the precious life, in 80% of the time, those women will choose life. Preborn preg pregnancy clinics are positioned in top abortion areas where most abortions still take place. But preborn doesn't stop there. They love and support these mothers with maternity clothes, diapers, counseling, and so much more for up to two years. If you want to do good this year and help save the lives of innocent babies, 
<laughs> you want to support preborn. Preborn is completely dependent upon you and me and us, the pro-life community, as they fight the giants. For just $28, you can rescue a baby's life, or $140 sponsors five ultrasounds. And now, through a match, your gift is doubled. 100% of your donation will go towards saving babies. Our goal is to save 50,000 Blaze babies. Will you join me and us? Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. Or donate securely at my favorite way to donate, preborn.com slash Jason. That's preborn.com slash Jason. Let's be a good fearless soldier. Let's save some babies today. Uh, let's do it today, right now. Preborn.com slash Jason. Pound 250, say the keyword baby. All right. Uh, taking care of my great friends at Preborn and hopefully have inspired you. Uh, now I want to inspire, educate, and entertain you uh, with this fire starter. Uh, like uh, the Chris Rock character Pookie in the movie uh, New Jack City, uh, LeBron James is tweaking again. He fell off the dopamine wagon. He needs another hit off Twitter's glass pipe, and it appears the NBA star is willing to jack Cowboys owner Jerry Jones for a fix. Last night, <clears throat> following a Lakers victory over Portland, LeBron turned his post-game news conference into a trap house. He ended his media session complaining to reporters about their failure to ask him about a 1957 photo of 14-year-old Jerry Jones outside an Arkansas school engulfed in a desegregation protest. Last Wednesday, if you remember, the Washington Post published a story about the photo. James, an NBA player, said he couldn't understand why NBA reporters failed to ask him about the NFL owner, particularly since NBA reporters asked him questions about NBA player and former teammate Kyrie Irving. Listen to this convoluted logic espoused from LeBron James. I was thinking when I was on my way over here, I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Okay. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I don't even want you guys to say nothing. When I watched Kyrie talk and he says, I know who I am, but I want to keep the same energy when we're talking about my people and the things that we've been through. And that Jerry Jones photo is one of those moments that our people, black people, have been through in America. And I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a platform, when we do something wrong or, or something that people don't agree with, it's on every single tabloid, every single news coverage, it's on the bottom ticker, it's asked about every single day. But it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo, and I know it was years and years ago and we all make mistakes, I get it. But it seemed like it's just been buried under like, oh, it happened, okay, we just, we just move on. 
And I was just kind of disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys. So LeBron claims he was thinking. That's my first red flag. And he's saying he was thinking on his way over to the arena. I'm not buying it. Uh, his logic is obviously tortured even by today's low standards. It's one of the worst examples of whataboutism. It's so bad, the what about Brett Favre people are embarrassed for LeBron. A basketball player is pretending to be upset that basketball reporters didn't ask him about an old picture of a football owner. In the era of social media and brand control, do athletes need permission from the media to comment on whatever they want? Does LeBron James, does King James wait for a media question to fire off an opinion? Did he wait to fire off an opinion about an Ohio cop who shot and killed a young woman trying to stab another young woman? Or did King James simply tweet a threatening warning to Officer Nicholas Reardon? Is LeBron disappointed that NBA reporters never peppered him with questions about Ethan Lyman, the teenager murdered at the parking lot of LeBron's I Promise School? Being a former Cowboys fan doesn't qualify LeBron James as an expert on a 65-year-old photo, nor does being a 38-year-old billionaire black man connect you to the pain and oppression black people suffered 65 years ago in the South. This is all a gimmick. LeBron has been a pampered elite, disconnected from reality since about the age of 12 when Nike and other athlete prospectors discovered gold in his DNA. The chosen one turned into the golden child long before he could fully comprehend the consequences of poverty and in plenty of time to be shielded from oppression. America, America exploits talent. It doesn't oppress it. James's limitless athleticism and limited intellectual evolution make him a prime candidate for exploitation. His puppet masters hooked him on dopamine, the crack cocaine of social media. He's a dopamine fiend. He's a user. He gets high on the endless supply of dopamine that 137 million Instagram and 52 million Twitter followers provide. Now I admit we're all recreational users, but LeBron James is an addict. No different from Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, Jamel Hill, and all the other celebrity influencers vetting their worldview through Silicon Valley algorithms. LeBron James is going out of his way to take a dump on the Cowboys owner to clean up the social media mess he made when he publicly criticized Kyrie Irving. Ripping Kyrie weakened LeBron's supply of dopamine. Let's remember, a month ago, when the NBA's power structure sought retribution for Irving's vaccine defiance by labeling a tweet the first domino in a second holocaust, social media, uh, social media influencers sided with their puppet masters against Irving. Let's hear it from LeBron's own mouth. And I believe um, you know, what Kyrie did um, caused some harm to a lot of people. 
Um, and he has since uh, over the last, I think today or was it yesterday, he apologized. Um, but he caused some harm. And, um, and I think it's unfortunate, but I don't, um, I don't stand on um, the position to harm people when it comes to your voice or your platform or, or, or anything. And so it doesn't matter um, what color your skin is, how tall you are, um, what position you are in. Um, if you are um, promoting or soliciting or, or, or saying harmful things to any community um, that harm people, um, then I don't, I don't, I don't respect it. I don't, I don't, I don't condone it. See, that's LeBron James in real time talking about Kyrie Irving when things were hot. He folded. He doesn't have a set of values. Everyone, including Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, Jay Williams, everybody, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, they all follow LeBron's lead. Unfortunately for them, social media users instantly saw through the Brooklyn Nets and Adam Silver's facade and recognized Irving's right to free speech and right to freedom of religious association. Black influencers exposed themselves as battery-backed, useful idiots. They unintentionally revealed a truth about modern celebrity. The digital media age rejects adherence to a set of values and requires obedience to the whims of public opinion. Social media platforms control the whims of public opinion. With no values or consistent worldview to guide them, digital influencers botched their reaction to Irving's harmless tweet. LeBron's forced comments about Jerry Jones are another attempt by James to establish a new position on Irving and win the approval of his social media followers. LeBron wants that good dopamine again. He failed to stand by Kyrie when it mattered the most. That failure has damaged his ability to manipulate and influence black people at the behest of Nike, the Democrat Party, and his other global puppet masters. Irving's bold vaccine stance and the unjustified punishment he received for a tweet have positioned him as the modern day Muhammad Ali, not LeBron James or Colin Kaepernick. LeBron is pooky. He's dusty, thirsty, and fraudulent. Jerry Jones can't save him. That's my fire. I want to uh, fan these flames a bit more by uh, showing you what took place today on first take. As, because this is all orchestrated. This, anybody who thinks LeBron James, you know, I was thinking as I was riding over to the game against Portland, I was thinking about Jerry Jones and how come y'all ain't asked me no questions? Anybody, if you buy that, you're an idiot. Here's what happened. LeBron James is driving over to the Staples Center or whatever they call the forum or wherever the Lakers play basketball, whatever they call it now, he's driving to the arena. His handler, Adam Mendelson, is on the phone. Probably a rep from Nike is on the phone. Stephen A. Smith is on the phone. 
And Stephen A. Smith's handler, I believe at WME, is Ari Emanuel. He's on the phone. And they're trying to say, hey, guys, uh, our group of uh, black influencers, we've got a problem. Kyrie has exposed you guys as frauds. You guys got to get your credibility back. What can we do to make it happen? How about LeBron, after tonight's game, you call out the media for not asking you about Jerry Jones. And Stephen A., tomorrow morning when you do first take, you champion LeBron James calling out the media and and bringing the whole Jerry Jones situation in. And you guys beat up on Jerry Jones and get your black approval rating, your black credit score, your street cred back on them Twitter streets and on them Instagram uh, streets. This is all orchestrated. This is not organic. You're an idiot if you believe that. You're blind if you believe that. That LeBron James, yeah. How come they ain't asked me about Jerry Jones, a football owner? They asked me about Kyrie Irving, a basketball player, and my former teammate, but they didn't ask me about the 80-year-old white man that owns the Dallas Cowboys. Don't they know I'm a Cowboys fan and I said I was a Cowboys fan? This is the perfect question for NBA reporters to ask me. I'm a Cowboys fan. You buy that. I don't. This entire thing was orchestrated. And I was disappointed to see uh, Jay Williams volunteer for a role in this orchestrated BS, but he did. And he played his part this morning on first take. Let's start with Jay Williams laying the foundation for Stephen A. Smith and Jay, because everybody missed the boat on the Kyrie Irving thing. Everybody was afraid to defend Kyrie Irving's right to free speech. You ain't got to defend Hebrews to Negroes, but you damn sure don't need to be out here crucifying Kyrie Irving like he did something wrong by tweeting a link. This is damaged all. Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. Just, just the other day, yesterday, Stephen A's getting trashed uh, again because originally he defended Jerry Jones. And that's why he needed Jay Williams to come out and, and play this role that Jay Williams played very well. Uh, you got to give him one of these Oscar best acting performances on first take. Let's play the clip. Why is Jerry, why is Jerry Jones absolving the hundreds of people who were around him who had different intention? Why is he speaking for everybody's intention? When you could tell that maybe he, he was curious but there were a lot of people there who weren't curious. There were a lot of people there who were racist. And that's okay to say. What was even more concerning for me is that when Kyrie Irving posts a pic of Hebrews to Negroes, we automatically come to the table by saying, you need to denounce anti-Semitism. But Jerry Joes didn't, he didn't denounce racism, right? It felt like he deflected. And how come he didn't use words, Stephen A? Like that moment was a grotesque time in history. Mm-hmm. It was monstrous. It was ugly. Those kids didn't deserve that. But his whole approach, Stephen A, 
felt like he was above that. So, Jay, and again, I'm not a harsh critic of Jay Williams, but this is clown stuff. This is female energy. This is, this is unmanly. It's illogical. Everybody did not say that Kyrie Irving needs to denounce anti-Semitism because there were some of us that said Kyrie Irving has done nothing and said nothing anti-Semitic. Kyrie Irving doesn't need to do a damn thing. Some of us said uh, the Brooklyn Nets need to go STFU. Some of us said Kyrie Irving has freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. He can think whatever the heck he wants. He can tweet out whatever he wants. Now, were there a handful of uh People that were called, yeah, he needs to denounce this, he needs to do this, he needs to apologize. Yeah. Take it up with those people. Why you, Jerry Jones didn't come out and say he needed to do it. I didn't. Dr. Umar Johnson didn't. And again, that's who gave all these dudes all these lashes. Go look it up on social media. That, that's the, Umar and his criticism. And, and my criticism, go look it up at the time, I, Charles Barkley, who I, a friend of mine, I like Charles, but didn't like what he did, and I got to call him out. There were some of us that saw from the get-go, hey, man, what, what y'all doing to Kyrie is crazy. <clears throat> and he doesn't need to come out and make a bunch of apologetic statements for a tweet. <clears throat> so... I don't know, and, and Jay Williams has a long statement that he recorded and put out over Twitter where he's demanding that Jerry come out and denounce racism. I'm like, well, what happened? Let's say Jerry holds a press conference, I denounce racism. What happens? Does racism go away? Do we all get wings and fly to heaven? What happens? Nothing happens. This is all a game. These people aren't serious. They're not remotely serious. It's all a game. It's clout chasing 101. They lost clout for the way they handled the Kyrie Irving situation. And now they're out chasing, trying to recover that clout. And oh, I'm going to take Jerry Jones and I'm going to beat him up and try to get my credibility back. Look how black I am. I beat up Jerry Jones. I demanded that he denounce racism. Female energy. That's all this is. I'm sorry to have to say that, Jay, but it's factual. It's female. You hurt my feelings. You need to say something to me to make me feel better. Denounce racism. <laughs> These dudes have gone from crying on air to now, <clears throat> we got to do something female or they won't keep us on air. So now, now Jerry Jones needs to come out and make some kind of BS statement, half-hearted statement. This is some stuff that happened 65 years ago. <clears throat> it didn't affect LeBron James. It didn't affect Jason Whitlock, Stephen A. Smith, or Jay Williams. Other people suffered for us. Instead of worried about getting retribution for uh. Jerry from Jerry Jones for having the curiosity and being there. And I don't really care what side he was on other than seeking retribution. 
Why aren't we doing everything to thank our mothers, fathers, and grandparents for what they endured so that y'all can sit on TV and make stupid comments and earn millions of dollars? <clears throat> Rather than try to punish some folks that were witnesses, bystanders, or, or whatever role Jerry Jones played 65 years ago, why wouldn't you spend all of your energy like, man, I got to celebrate mama and daddy and grandmama and granddaddy and all the people that changed this world and took Jerry Jones from that moment to owning the Dallas Cowboys, installing this guy, William Clay, I think is his name, or his last name's Clay, he's the third in charge after Jerry and Steven, there's the black dude running the Dallas Cowboys. Why not celebrate him for that? Why not say whatever grandmama and granddaddy did, they changed Jerry Jones. He went from being at the front of the school <clears throat> to running the Dallas Cowboys, empowering a black man to be third in charge and turning all these athletes into millionaires and being their best friends. Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, all these guys. Nate Newton, when he's locked up, Jerry Jones never turned his back on it. We should be celebrating the transformation that our grandparents inspired rather than like, Jerry, come on out here and apologize so I can get my social media credit score back up, so I can clout chase, and so that these people will quit calling me a coon in my mentions. Females. That's all this is, is female energies. They, 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 they don't stand for anything. They don't have a consistent worldview. Everything about this show is about adopting a set of values, a biblical set of values, a biblical worldview, so that you can apply it to every situation. You're standing on rock solid foundation. You're not willy nilly. You're not, oh, let me see what Twitter thinks before I express an opinion. You're not, oh, well, let me go check the color of this person or that person before I express an opinion. If you have a set of values, if you have a biblical worldview, you stand on that and you apply it to everything. And so when you see people mistreating Kyrie Irving, you don't sit around and go, Oh, I wonder what Massa got to say before I, before I say this. Oh, Massa wants me to criticize Kyrie? Let me do that, boss. If you're standing on a set of biblical values, you said, now nah, I'm gonna go check with God and based off what I believe this Bible says <clears throat> and what I believe the U.S. Constitution says, Kyrie ain't done a damn thing wrong. Miss me with all of it. But when you're standing on nothing, what you want me to say, boss? Boss done gave you some bad advice, and now you and boss are cooking up schemes and collaborations to, to uh, get your way out of a situation that boss man created for you. Here's Stephen A. Smith uh, today, clout chasing and trying to fix his image. Uh, there's two, we'll play a shorter clip first and then I'm gonna play this long clip and then we'll get to uh, Royce White, but l let's play the short clip first. Because you got people that 
wanted to come at me in the wrong way. I stand by what I said in regards to a 14-year-old in a still photo, and that's what you want to use to jump on him. You just highlighted there's plenty of other things to jump on Jerry Jones about. Mm. You ain't never hired a black coach. You didn't stand up for Colin Kaepernick and his rights as an American citizen to do what he did. You didn't speak out initially. You were actually hiding when it came to social justice issues, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones would tell you, I told him that. Mm. Where you at? I don't give a damn what you say. Say something. You got to speak up. You can't be quiet. But that's entirely different than using the still photo of a 14-year-old standing in a crowd in 1957, pre-civil rights, pre-voting rights, because clearly the climate of those times were what it was. Do we need to regurgitate what the hell was going on in the Jim Crow South? We all know that story. Lynchings, murders, rapes, mayhem, all types of stuff, all types of insidious, despicable things that was done and inflicted upon the black race. We understand what the hell was going on down there. So if you're Jerry Jones and you're standing in the crowd, I'm looking at how you're acting more than I'm looking at what 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 the environment is, because to me, that environment was all over the damn south. This is my issue with these guys. And, and again, when they're, they're not standing on anything. I, I, I don't want to speculate about who raised them or whatever, but I just know their approach is very feminine. It's very matriarchal. They believe in the power of talk. Talk is cheap. They want Jerry Jones He's quiet. He ain't saying nothing about social justice. He need to come out and say something. Say something. Say something. <clears throat> Talk is cheap. Perhaps Jerry Jones's strategy to what he saw and grew up in in the South was, hey, man, I'm going to build a great football business and I'm going to operate it in the fairest way possible. And I'm going to create a business that employs black men and whoever I choose. And it's going to help them elevate themselves and their families out of whatever situations they're in. And so I, I know y'all have reduced everything down for a, a white owner of a sports team. It's all reduced down to, oh, uh, is your coach black? That will tell us what you think about black people. How Jerry Jones treated Nate Newton after Nate Newton screwed up his life and got himself locked up trying to sell drugs. Nah, that, that, that don't say nothing about Jerry and how he feels about black people. How Jerry Jones treated Michael Irvin when he was a player and gotten all kinds of problems and, and trouble, and Jerry stood by him and took all that heat. How Jerry Jones, and I don't care if y'all don't like it, how Jerry Jones was willing to give Greg Hardy a second opportunity in the NFL, nah, that don't say nothing about what Jerry thinks about black people. He just wanted a player. He just wanted somebody that could help him win. Well, when Nate Newton is locked up in prison, after his pro career is over and Jerry standing by him, what was that about? Was that about winning games? 
when Jerry Jones uh, basically treats Emmitt Smith like a son and helps Emmitt Smith elevate himself as a businessman after his playing career. Is that about winning games? It's, I don't, it's not necessary for me to, and it's not even comfortable me sitting here trying to cape up for Jerry Jones. The man's a billionaire. He's going to be fine. He is fine. He's lived a great life or whatever. But but these alleged men sitting on TV begging someone to talk and to say certain things, like that's going to improve everything. Just because y'all believe in talk, just because y'all can't think of nothing better to do than run your mouth, and just because y'all don't understand how cheap talk is, doesn't mean that Jerry Jones shares your worldview. He might be saying, judge me on my actions. Judge me on all these people who I've helped. He might be saying that. That would require a little work rather than just getting on TV and flapping your guns. We demanded Jay Jones denounce racism. He has to say something. You don't want him to do a damn thing. You just want him to say something. So you can say, look, look, I, I made Jerry go out and denounce racism. Give me that clout. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Give me a better contract at ESPN. Quit calling me a coon on Twitter. These dudes don't stand for nothing, man. Because they're not standing on anything firm. Emotion. That's all they're standing on. Twitter whims. That's all they're standing on. That's all they care about. I, I want to play this last clip, and I'm sorry for making Royce wait this long, but I want to play this last clip. It's about three minutes where Stephen A. somehow figured out a way to blame the media. He's, you know, for not asking LeBron James this question. This is idiocy. Play the clip. I can't applaud LeBron enough for what he said. Mm-hmm. I 1,000% agree with LeBron James because that wasn't about Jerry Jones. If you're listening, as my man Joe Madison, the Black Eagle on Urban View Radio would say every morning, that was, you got to listen with the third ear. What LeBron was talking about was where's the intensity? You ask Kyrie these questions, you bombard them one point after another after another. And we know what level of friction I have with Kyrie mm-hmm. and his peeps. But even I came on national TV and like, nah, y'all crossing the damn line now with these demands and these stipulations and all of this other stuff. Then I interviewed the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League on my podcast, Jonathan Greenblatt. He said, we had nothing to do with that. We didn't put those demands out there. We didn't ask for all of that. We didn't call for him to be suspended. We had nothing to do with that. Okay, fine. So the Anti-Defamation League didn't have anything to do with that. So they say, fair enough. But what LeBron was talking about is unavoidable. The media. Trump says something. They asked LeBron about it. They asked LeBron about the can't, you know, the presidential campaign when Trump was running against Hillary Rodham Clinton. Now, obviously, him endorsing Hillary Rodham Clinton had something to do with that. But clearly, LeBron James has been subjected to question after question after question. But suddenly, when it came to Jerry Jones, you didn't ask because I assure you, if I was in that press room, I would ask LeBron about it. I would have said, yo, Mm -hmm. LeBron. 
By the way, how do you feel about this? Even when I took the position that I took about a still photo of a 14-year-old, I still would have asked LeBron that question. The fact that he wasn't asked that question and he had waited and he had to bring up the subject to a media in the year 2022 gives credence and buffers the argument that Kyrie Irving was making when Kyrie said, where's the intensity when our people's going through stuff, Mm -hmm. when we've been afflicted? Y'all going to have the same momentum, the same passion. You're going to bring that to the table. That's what LeBron was calling out. And that brings in the point into the, into, into the equation, the biggest point that was being made. The media is the fourth estate. We play a significant role in subjects that are actually broached hmm. and subjects that are avoided. And it didn't escape LeBron that after a Lakers win, In the aftermath of this whole stuff with Jerry Jones, regardless of what your position may be, he wasn't even asked. Now, some people in the media will say, well, he's an NFL owner. You're an NBA player. Kyrie's a contemporary. But that doesn't wash because you've asked LeBron about a multitude of things that were not basketball related. So why did you ask him about this now? The fact that he pointed that out, he is one thousand percent right on the money and if you're the media member in that room last night and you didn't ask lebron a question about jerry jones you should be looked upon with a raised eyebrow by lebron james and all his contemporaries in the world of professional sports because you would have done it it's just dishonest it's a lie and and I'm about to say something. I hate to do this, and and I'm going to ask y'all to correct me if I'm wrong. Send me the information. Maybe I'm wrong. But this thing with Jerry Jones happened, I believe, last Wednesday with the Washington Post. So that means on Monday, uh, Michael Irvin, Dallas Cowboy great, was on Stephen A. Smith's show. Michael Irvin's close to Jerry Jones. I don't know, because I don't watch Stephen A. Smith's show every day. Did Stephen A. Smith grill Michael Irvin about Jerry Jones? That would be an appropriate question, perhaps, if there was going to be anybody that ask Michael Irvin. He comes on first take. Let me give you another one. And, and, and maybe I don't know, because again, I don't watch. Did last week when the story hit the forefront, and, and perhaps it did, d- d- perhaps it happened. Marcus Spears works for ESPN, played for the Dallas Cowboys. Did Stephen A. Smith grill Marcus Spears about Jerry Jones? Marcus Spears played for the Cowboys. If this question was so top of mind, that we should be able to find, and maybe it's out there, that on Monday, Stephen A. Smith and Michael Irvin should have did a whole segment, long segment about it. If it's an appropriate question for LeBron James, who plays in the NBA, and this is so top of mind in Stephen A. Smith's mind. He would have brought it up to Michael Irvin, and he would have been on his show, not today, but all week saying, hey, somebody in the media should ask LeBron James about this. He's lying. He's being dishonest. This is clout chasing. The, 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 the oh, y'all ask him about Donald Trump. You know why they ask him about Donald Trump? Because LeBron used to tweet about Donald Trump. If LeBron James legitimately wants to be asked about something, 
He puts the bait out there with a tweet. Hey, I want to talk about this, so let me tweet out an opinion, and then that'll make the media come and ask me a question. He knows the game. This is all a lie. This is all orchestrated. These dudes are all embarrassed because they missed the boat on Kyrie Irving. Because when the actual smoke came, when things got hot, when there was actually something at risk, taking on the puppet masters, getting on the wrong side of potentially Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, who can dictate who is and isn't on ESPN's NBA countdown show. Stephen A. Smith and everybody else carried Adam Silver's water. What you want me to say, boss? Boss man, tell me what to say. I'm going to say, oh, we got to go out here and, and beat up on Kyrie? Let's do it. And they all did it. <coughs> and now everybody can see it. And they're getting eaten up over social media because they're all dopamine fiends. They don't know what to do if they don't get that hit of dopamine, that good stuff straight off the boat with everybody kissing their butt and telling them how great they are. LeBron's upset about it because he didn't want to take on boss man Adam Silver. And so he came out. Oh, what Kyrie said was very harmful. Very, very harmful. Stephen A. Smith jumped out there criticizing Kyrie Irving. Charles Barkley jumped out there criticizing Kyrie Irving, Shannon Sharp, Jay Williams. Jay Williams had some good moments defending Kyrie uh, on the vaccine stuff, but he had missed the boat here when it was real stakes, when it was, it was really hot, and you could actually piss off Adam Silver or someone else with some power. Boss, what you want me to say? Your feet hurt. Rest them here on my back. I got you, boss, man. I'll take care of Kai's Rees for you. We'll whip him in the line. Everybody can see it. And so now they're inventing things so they can do a mulligan and do a redo on Kyrie Irving. See how pro-black I am? I beat up Jerry Jones. I, made, I told Jerry Jones he got to denounce racism. It's a game, man. It's a scam. The public is being lied to. None of this has to do with speaking truth to power. This was all agreed upon. LeBron, after the game, this is what we need you to say. Stephen A is going to back you up on first take. ESPN is going to back you up. Because uh, I saw I saw a anchor for ESPN early this morning before first take. Uh, say, yeah, LeBron's question makes perfect sense. It's a legitimate question. I think it was the last dude's name's Lloyd, white dude. And I'm like, what part of the question makes sense? And Stephen A now, oh, if I had been there, I shows would have asked LeBron, what you think about Jay Jones? <clears throat> so in order to get their credibility back, they're throwing Jerry Jones under the bus and trying to shame everybody in the media for not asking a basketball player 
about a picture of an NFL owner from 65 years ago. It's cowardly. All right, we're gonna, I'm going to shut up and bring uh, Royce on, but first I want to take care of one of our friends. Uh, getting older is a big adjustment. It's like you're young and healthy, and eventually it gets hard to stay healthy. Next thing you know, you realize you're not so young, but you're not exactly old. <clears throat> then it gets worse. You might get more of a dad bod or an early 2000s Whitlock bod. You don't want that. It was an elephant bod. Uh, it's suddenly harder to work out. It's not your fault. As men age, our bodies naturally lose free testosterone. That's because when you were younger and you were at the peak of your production, wouldn't it be nice to get that winner's edge again and that old swagger back in your step? Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. It will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the old man, the young man you really want to be. Nugenics Total T contains man-boosting key ingredients like Testofen, which has been validated in five clinical studies. What Nugenics Total T does is boost the free testosterone levels that the aging process robs you. So you'll feel stronger and leaner with more energy and drive. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text FEARLESS to 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermal, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape absolutely free. Text FEARLESS to 231-231. That's FEARLESS to 231-231. All right, uh, listen, you can email me and us at the show, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Send me some feedback. Let me know, did I miss something? Maybe Stephen A. Smith uh, asked Michael Irvin about Jerry Jones. Maybe they had a big, long discussion and I missed it. Tell me in the emails. Uh, put it in the comments. Leave it in the chat. Voice uh, White. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to be joined uh, by Royce White. Uh, Royce, uh, can't wait to hear your thoughts on uh, the latest developments as it relates to LeBron James and Jerry Jones. And it, it's, it's, it's my contention that LeBron and a lot of these guys mishandled the Kyrie Irving situation and it, it messed up their dopamine addiction on so, social media, and, and they're just using Jerry Jones to try to recover uh, their cult-like following on social media or uh, the obedience from their followers. How do you see it? A, a few different ways, um, and, and I struggle to even talk about it 
uh, with, with some consistency because there just seems like a, a widespread unwillingness to unwillingness, inability or or conditioning to talk about any of these issues, um, you know, w- without any nuance and, and without taking them apart layer by layer. But but, you know, nonetheless, and that, that's across the entire spectrum of, of cultural and political issues uh, all around the world. But nonetheless, I'll start by saying, once again, the two-dimensional worldview, a two-dimensional worldview makes it very easy to be double-crossed and triple-crossed. And yesterday, I, I tried to emphasize the importance of history. And I think there is a fundamental importance of history. I think human beings are the historical being. I think history is essential to um, humans being human. I think it's essential for us to have any knowledge, for us to transfer knowledge from one generation to the next. And and then wisdom is how you apply knowledge. Um, So history is important, no doubt. But history doesn't define us in totality. It doesn't define us absolutely. And that goes for anybody. It goes for me. It goes for you. It goes for Jerry Jones. It goes for LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, blacks, Jews, Americans, the Chinese. Doesn't matter. History is but a small part of what defines us. And yes, I would be remiss not to admit and acknowledge that there is still racism that is um, in our culture, in our society. Now, where that racism is, is a constant debate. It's a constant, and it's a constant search to be able to see it and identify it properly with the right emotional energy. Um, what, what, what the problem is, in my opinion, around how Jerry Jones is being discussed or how the Jews were being discussed is when people try and suspend you in history. When people suspend you at a moment in history, It makes it easier for them to distract you in the present. And that is what we have seen with blacks and Jews. And we both share that cultural circumstance, that political circumstance, that historical circumstance, that we are constantly being suspended in history with our identity. And it makes it very hard for us to see what's right in front of us today. And I can't speak to what LeBron James does or doesn't know with any real clarity because I don't know him personally. All I know is what's obvious, what's blatant, what's the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is, yeah, what Jerry Jones was a part of 65 years ago is something that we should, you know, look down upon. Um, But why LeBron James is is, um, why LeBron James is emphasizing it is a different thing completely. And both things can be true at the same time. And I don't have to jump on the LeBron James bandwagon because I'm against what Jerry Jones participated in 60 years ago. And if I can't, if I don't have the self-discipline or the self-respect or the pride in my own, in my own human beingness to, to keep the two separate, then I don't deserve to talk. I don't deserve to have an opinion. So to me, when I see LeBron, the elephant in the room has and will continue to be until further notice. Why won't you talk about China? Why will you not discuss China? Why will you not discuss the Muslims in the concentration camps? Why will you not discuss the Uyghurs? Why will you not discuss what's going on in Shanghai? Why will you not discuss the artificial intelligence that's used to perpetrate injustice in China on a daily basis through social credit scores or whatever else? Why are these things out of your purview completely? Not that you have to talk about 
China if you want to talk about Jerry Jones or if you want to talk about anything else. It's why is it completely off of the docket? And how are we supposed to look at that and believe that it has nothing to do with your financial relationship with Nike? And personally, as a black man, from a from a from a black man standpoint in this country, racism's real. We can't tiptoe around that. There's a lot of original sin in this country tied to racism. There's a lot of original sin throughout history tied to racism. But I'm not scared of what Jerry Jones had to say 65 years ago. That doesn't concern me right now today. If we want to have an intellectual conversation about history and politics, then sure, we could use Jerry Jones as an example of a very powerful businessman that still has a lot of that power today who may have held racist views in the past. But today we have pertinent, dire issues in government, in policy, in culture that certain people don't want to talk about. And it's not lost on me. Why? I think you make an excellent point. I think that my issue as it relates to Jerry Jones is, is this whole thing of he needs to say something. And, and one, part, part of what they got into that we didn't play the clip in first take, Jay Williams at one point was reading quotes from the Washington Post and saying, why didn't he say this or why didn't he say that? And, and he needs to say X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, Jay Williams is a former basketball player. Molly Clarem is a Instagram model that they put a microphone in front of. Stephen mm-hmm. A. Smith allegedly was a journalist at one point. And so he needed to interject and say, well, hold on, Jerry Jones didn't write the story. He didn't choose what quotes are in the story. He didn't ask the questions that solicited certain answers. Jerry Jones is the only NFL owner, according to this story. The Washington Post wanted to talk to everybody. Jerry Jones is the only one that would consent to an interview. Gave him two hours of his time. They write up the piece however they want. They quote whatever they want. They ask whatever questions they want to ask. Jerry Jones doesn't control that story. And so for, for Jay Williams or anybody to sit on air and be, oh, well, Jerry didn't say this or Jerry didn't say that. Maybe he did say it. Who knows? Or maybe they didn't ask the right questions. Yeah. Those are questions a journalist, someone having a nuanced conversation would, would suggest. Jerry Jones set out after this story came out, he set out uh, uh, a week ago or, or whenever after the story came out and talked to everybody in the media, let them ask any question they wanted to. I went on for 30, 40 minutes. He, he's shown no fear. And so I agree with you. My, my instincts tell me Jerry wasn't there because he was trying to champion those black kids desegregating the school. Uh, Jerry's putting it off as like, hey, I was just curious and I'm an observer. I could almost buy that because I'm that type of nosy, curious person. But, you know, the stakes were pretty high back then. I don't know if I would have just been out there if I was curious. I'd have waited to read about it in the paper the next day, listen to what the radio had to say. But but, but regardless, that's 65 years ago. And and again, if you go 40 years, 30 years, 20 years into my past, there's some things I'm really ashamed of and really have had to repent for. 
and, and I want to be judged on what I'm doing now, what I've been, what I've done with my power. And so Jerry Jones in his mind probably feels like, Hey man, I've acquired a lot of power, a lot of wealth, and I've used it to help a lot of people who don't look like me. Y'all not going to make me ashamed of myself. And I don't blame that man for feeling that way because nobody's going to make me ashamed of how I feel about myself. Well, yes, yes. And no, I mean, you know, and look, the, the, the same thing can be said for LeBron. Nobody's tied to their political. Nobody's tied to the positions in their history either. The positions that they took. That's the thing about being Christian that these people want to uh, take from society is, is the ability to redeem oneself, the ability to change one's position uh, and the, the ability to, to grow. I mean, think about that. I mean, part of wanting to keep blacks and Jews suspended at a certain time in history is part of not wanting Jews and blacks to grow up, to mature. And that's not to forget. We don't need to forget. But we must use what we know and as a as a way to grow. And in a large part, what we know is used as a way to stay where we are. And that that's a problem. But I say this as an olive branch to people who I don't share political uh, ideals with, such as LeBron. And I have criticism towards he where he is today, where he was last week or two months ago or a year ago is not a fixed position. What he says today and what he does in the future is what's most important. Right. So and that, that goes for anybody that goes for me, you, LeBron, Kyrie, the ADL, uh, the Republican Party, pick some the United Nations. It doesn't matter who we, we, we are not pinned in a fixed position with where we were yesterday. So both things are true at, at once. Should we have to be accountable for things that we did? Yeah. To ourselves and to God first, not in some sort of kumbaya, fake, apolog apologetic way to appease uh, the, the court of public opinion. Um, so, you know, Jerry Jones could very well have been a racist 60 years ago and could repent for his racism and could be a better person tomorrow. The same way LeBron James could have been a shill and a sellout for Nike and the CCP last week and could come out tomorrow and go, you know what? I have a problem what's going on with the Uyghurs and I have a big problem that my money is coming from a place where this is happening. All of those things are possible and they're all possible at once. And that's the conversation we need to start having is how does this country, how does this society start to redeem itself? Not by picking a two dimensional spot on the on the on the playing field and, and trying to protect it and guard it and apologize so you could protect that position. It's like, no, just tell the truth. You know, Jerry, tell the truth. If you were there and you were a little young, rambunctious, racist white guy, tell the truth. You know, you can repent. Don't be afraid. You can repent. Right. It kind of shows a lack of faith when we when we try and hide the things that we did in our past that other who people does he need to repent to, though? Who, who, who oh, does God. he need to repent to? Only huh? God. Only God. Right. And so th this public hanging and flogging of himself yeah. that, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, he needs to and, and perhaps he has repented to God and feels like his actions. And, and maybe that's why. Like when Nate Newton is locked up for selling drugs long after his playing career, maybe that part of Jerry's repentance and newbie attitude is like, oh, I'm going to stick with Nate Newton. I'm going to help him get through this and I'm going to be a friend to him when he comes out of, out of prison. Maybe that's what Jerry's doing. Here's what I'll say. 
my campaign slogan was no apologies, no selling out. So I am I am vehemently against <clears throat> public apology to appease some woke mob or or some uh, conservative, uh, you know, mob, any echo chamber. I'm completely against a public apology for those reasons. But there are genuine reasons to apologize publicly. It, it just shouldn't be through fiat. It shouldn't be through corporate pressure. And it certainly shouldn't be through disingenuous corporate pressure. That's what makes LeBron saying it wishy-washy, right? And, and I'm, I'm even a little bit optimistic because at least him calling, there, there was some stark difference between the media response with Kyrie Irving and the media coverage of, of Jerry Jones. Now, they're two separate situations, one in the past, one in the present. But you can tell the difference in energy. So I'm almost appreciative of LeBron James starting to, you know, uh, dance around. The, the, hold, hold, hold for a second, though, Royce. Hold for a second, Royce. Shouldn't there be a difference in energy? Um, I think that uh, yes and no. Here, and here's why this something be happened 65 years ago. But that, but that's not the point. And, Listen, this is the point. The point is that. The energy is not surrounded around it, the, the, the energy of it was not correlated to the a proximity of time. The energy around Kyrie Irving is a part of a broader spectrum worldview and, 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 and dogma that anything that one is associated with at any point in their life at any time in the future can be brought up to discredit that person's entire legitimacy in the public. That's what the energy was towards Kyrie. It wasn't, it, and it wasn't just about the, the the documentary. It was also connected to a sequence of Kyrie Irving being a radical thinker, whether it was vaccine or whether it was flat Earth or whatever Kyrie has said in his past. So that was the that was the impetus towards the the energy. And what I'm saying is that okay. Let me ask this question now. Yep. Let me ask this question now. Shouldn't the energy be Hey, there was way too much energy around Kyrie. Yes. And it's it's the energy it should have received the same sort of energy as that was given to Jerry Jones in that situation. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. and so again, this where my criticism of LeBron and and Stephen A and Jay Williams is like y'all gave the Kyrie situation energy. Right. Y'all put the batteries in their back. No when doubt. Adam Silver and Joseph Sy said, hey, guys, we need y'all to come out here and lash Kyrie, what did they do? They went out there and lashed Kyrie and justified the suspension. They, LeBron's original comments gave it life. No if doubt. LeBron and, and Stephen A and everybody have, had, had done what we did, I say, hey, man, it's some BS. Cut it out. It never takes on this life of its own. One hundred percent agree with you. And, and that is and again, that's why I started off by saying the nuance is important. The devil is in the details. I'm not saying that the Jerry Jones thing should be blown up. I'm saying that the Kyrie thing was overblown. And there's the there's a problem when you overblow certain stories because th they are rel relative to one another, especially in a silo of mainstream media uh, uh, narrative. Because we all know that the narrative is controlled by six companies. 
So now when you have this 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 distribution of energy in a way that seems disingenuous, you open the door for people to ask question of why. And that's not that's not by accident. So the Kyrie situation is actually what what obscures the Jerry Jones situation in a negative direction. The Kyrie thing should have been a blip on the radar. It wasn't. It was this long, drawn out, still, still being ramifications drawn down because of it. And the Jerry Jones thing was kind of like, ah, well, that's kind of what we're used to. It was like with Donald Sterling. They they almost played that with Sterling, although the people called for a, a public lynching. But a lot of people were like, ah, you know, what do we expect from a white man that age? It's like, uh, now nah, yeah. I was in a different headspace then. I, I would say, for me anyway, where yeah. I was at was like, hold up, y- y'all got an old man talking to his side piece in a private conversation, and you think crazy things don't get said? Yeah. Because see, I, I come from a whole different generation and grew up at the Masterpiece Lounge with a lot of old dudes that was players and blah, blah. And, and what they say to their side piece, that goes public? I'm like, could you, I, I could imagine, and my father was an old school player, you know, good looking <laughs> dude, looked as good as anybody you've ever seen on TV. And he was a player. Yeah. You take his private conversations with a side piece or anyone, anybody from his stable or whatever, it's gonna sound crazy. And so I was just like, th- that's where I was like, old man talking to his woman crazy? If that's the standard, holy cow, I hope they never get the, uh, the tapes of anything I've said crazy because I've certainly said some crazy things. Oh, my, my, and, my, and my sit, ta- uh, Oh, again, I, I'll just say that because and I think I even wrote or I said it at the time. I was like, because my father, one of his biggest bragging points, and I'm telling my father was a great man and a great father and I love him to death. I don't share these things in any way to denigrate him, I'm just keeping it real. But where me and my father would get crossways a lot was about white women. Because this was a good looking dude that had his way with women. And he would brag to me, my brother, his friend. White woman can never get any of this. Never give him the pleasure. That was his brag. That was, and would like me, I'd come home from college, he didn't like the sound of the voice calling me on his phone or whatever. He'd let me know. And, and so I, I just, that, that's where I, I was just like, and, and I'm t- my father's around the same age as Donald Sterling, just a black Donald Sterling. Very lovely man, treated everybody with great respect. Yeah. But when it came to his women and his thoughts on, on, Race mixing as far as it relates to intimacy, he sounded a lot like Donald Sterling to me. I'm just keeping it real. No, no doubt. And there's a lot of our elders that that if you if you took their private conversations and put them in the public square, uh, not only would they be ashamed of it, but but our entire community would probably be somewhat ashamed of it. Um, the, the, the Donald Sterling thing was what, what I meant by that is that the mainstream media did a great job of trying to obscure Donald Sterling's. Com- comments that were ethno-specific around the Jewish community, and gotcha. they sort of, in a, in a way, they actually presented him as an Anglo-Saxon white supremacist, which is completely dishonest because 
well, other than the fact that there's a supremacy within the Jewish culture that sort of mirrors and mimics the, the white supremacy that all supremacists uh, exhibit in any culture. Um, but that's not how they presented the narrative. And that was dishonest. And all I'm saying is that if you put, see, here's the thing. No, we don't have to apologize to the public court of public opinion on some superficial level. But when you are in the public and your ideas and your beliefs are made public and then the things you choose to say in private become public, you do have a sort of responsibility to clarify any any dissonance or discrepancy between who you've presented yourself as and who we now know you to be in certain circumstances. And this is our criticism of LeBron. So we can't have it one way and not the other. Our criticism of LeBron is don't talk about injustice. Don't build schools with blood money from another country and call it philanthropy. Don't build a school with blood money from another country and call that philanthropy or call that work for minorities or call that justice or call that repairing, uh, uh, you know, equity or diversity or inclusion. You can't take blood money from another country where they are anti-diversity, where they're anti-inclusion, where they're anti-justice and bring it to America and call it justice. And that brings opens the gate for a much wider conversation about all these corporations. I'm not singling out LeBron. I get asked about LeBron because I'm a, an athlete, because I was in the NBA. So I give an honest answer about LeBron. But he's not the only one. All of these NGOs, all of these nonprofits, UNICEF, and you pick one, all of these organizations that walk around with their banners and their flags and say, we're doing this for humanity. No, you're not. You're doing it for the crown. You're doing it for the crown. And there was some explicit racism that came down from the crown. And it did obscure the way that Christianity was used to build this country. And that is a fact. And it's one that we cannot ignore. We just need to accept it, confront it, and act now, act accordingly. That's what Abraham Lincoln was doing. That's what Frederick Douglass was doing. That's what great leaders did. Martin Luther King, Malcolm, they tried to confront the ills of the people before them, confront them, and then change and redirect redirect our energy, redirect our action. That's what people like LeBron and in some cases, Jerry Jones and many leaders today fail to do because they're too self-interested. They can't just come out and say it. These things are not human welfare initiatives. The, the NFL pairing with the, with the military has nothing to do with honoring the troops. It was a lie. It's a lie. It's a scam. The same way the NBA pairing with Black Lives Matter has nothing to do with the prosperity or well-being of black people in their community. It's a lie from the corporatocracy that we accept because we like distraction. Last thing, I, and heard you loud and clear on the China point. It's awesome. It's great. There are some people like myself that would say, not only is LeBron quiet on the China issue, he, he, he's quiet on the issues right here in America that most impact poor black kids here in America. And so uh, LeBron wants to, oh, how come y'all didn't ask me about Jerry Jones? Well, LeBron, th the media also didn't ask you about a 17-year-old white kid, Ethan Lyman, being beaten and killed at the parking lot at your I Promise school. Th this 
yeah. uh, familyless, single parent culture we have going on uh, has turned our communities very violent. And LeBron has nothing to say about any of that. The media has no interest in asking him about any of that. Uh, And so, you know, it's like LeBron is cherry picking the things he wants to be asked. Oh, you know, I want to talk about Jerry Jones at a picture 65 years ago. Uh, But that 17 year old white kid that got killed at my school. No, I don't want to talk about that. I'm not going to chastise y'all for not asking me about that. And and it's it's worse than that. It's a layer deeper than that with LeBron. Not only is he not speaking about the issues that most affect black communities or poor black people in in America, he's intimately involved in it. He's in on it. He's promoting it. <laughs> I mean, if you can actually sit at home, if you can sit at home and watch this and pretend that hip hop has not become a major progenitor of the ills and the tragedy in our community, you're a liar. You're just a liar. And that that doesn't say anything about the if whether the music is good, whether or not the people who are who are uh, uh, singing the music or rapping the music are rapping about a true circumstance they came from. None of that is the point. The point is, if you can sit at home and honestly tell yourself that that has no influence or bearing on the tragedy we see in the black community, you're a liar. And then if you claim to be a leader of the black community, a face of the black community, like LeBron surely is willing to do when it benefits him, but then you promote that with, with, without limits, uh, you are a hypocrite. And, and you're 100% right. But it's all across LeBron's profile. And what they've done the best is, and this is why I appreciate this show and the ability to come on here, what they've done the best is make it seem like if you're a black man who has any criticism for another black man who has a public platform or, or uh, you know, uh, any type of uh, spotlight, then you're just hating, you just, you're hating black people. You're, you're a crab in a barrel. You're pulling us down. No, we need to clarify We need to clarify who our leaders are and what they believe and what they stand for. We don't need to stand in this quicksand of of a false celebrity. Think about why is LeBron not talking about the why is LeBron not talking about the epidemic of HIV contraction in homosexual black males? And his boy Dwayne Wade is over there uh, promoting uh, uh, prepubescent uh, sex change for young black men. How about that? How about the AIDS? How about you go get with Dr. Fauci? Y'all get together and, and y'all, you know, get on round table and talk about the fact that 50 percent of black males who are homosexual will contract HIV in their life. Fifty percent. Is that enough an issue? If the representation of rap music has a bearing on young people's mentality about about violence, if if white people's. Uh, a representation in the media has a bearing on the way that black people feel about their, their identity and their history and, and allowing white people to be racist or microaggressive on TV has a bearing on the way that we feel about ourselves. Is the same not true of homosexual behavior? Is the same not true of homosexual influence? So we're basically saying if you're a young black man and you and you become a victim of HIV because we promoted because we promoted homosexuality, well you're just innocent, you're just a, you're just a casualty of of war, of a culture war. These are the things that have to be ironed out. I'm not trying to be a stickler. I'm not trying to, you know, be picky. These are blatant things. And if LeBron doesn't want to talk about those things, no problem, bruh. Just move off the podium. 
Get off the podium so that your masters can cannot use you to keep people like me off of the podium. Because when I come to the podium, it ain't no it's no signal and noise. It's straight signal with him. It's a lot of noise and it frustrates me and it should frustrate all black people. Uh, Thank you, Royce. Great job, as always. Uh, We'll probably see you tomorrow. Uh, Kanye has imploded on uh, Alex Jones' Infowars. We'll probably address some of that tomorrow. Uh, So we'll probably circle back to Royce. Uh, But we're going to keep this conversation going uh, with Steve Kim, the Korean co-sell. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to bring in the Korean Cosell. Steve, I want to warn you, <clears throat> I, we may not move anywhere past uh, LeBron James and Jerry Jones. We, because uh, I, I hope you have a lot to say about this. I still have more to say about this. I find this whole thing uh, fascinating. Uh, I felt like uh, I felt like I feel like Stephen A. Smith, Jay Williams, LeBron James, Shannon Sharp—they're all trying to use Jerry Jones to take a mulligan on Kyrie Irving. I don't think any of them believe any of this stuff they're saying about Jerry Jones. It's all just a scam uh, so they can get their black card and black credibility back up on social media. Your thoughts? I don't think there's any doubt about that. By the way, the more research I did about that picture, that had been unearthed several years ago. This is not really a breaking story. People had kind of talked about this uh, a while ago, and I don't think there's any doubt about it, that they, these guys play a game of gerrymandering their opinions to kind of they gauge the temperature of the public and a specific group on Twitter, which you talked about a couple of days ago, and then they think, okay, uh, it's getting a little hot. i got to cool it off here. So now I have to go out there and placate the masses that I'm going to pander to that I believe is my base audience. So it, it's really dishonest what they're doing here. And, and especially with LeBron, who all of a sudden now, once again, wants to be the Renaissance man. And I just wonder, and I don't even think these guys realize this because a lot of them are absolutely gutless, but now the corporate legacy media that covers the NBA and the Lakers they don't even understand the license that LeBron has now given them, uh, Jason. And, and if I'm now covering the Lakers and I don't really care about access because this is what it's about, oh, you could have some fun with this, Jason. Truly, you can, if you have any guts. What do you think of my contention that this entire thing was orchestrated behind the scenes. I think I sincerely yes. believe LeBron James and Stephen A. Smith talked to each other last night. Their handlers all talked to each other. They got on the phone with Jay Williams, said, Jay Williams, you're going to do this. LeBron, you're going to say this after the game. Jay Williams, you're going to start the show saying this. And Stephen A., you're going to say, I just, the whole thing 
it, LeBron James isn't sitting around going, huh, I wonder why they ain't asked me about Jerry Jones. Because it just doesn't, it makes no sense to ask LeBron James about a 65-year-old Jerry Jones picture a week after the story came out. Jason, I, I don't know if it's that insidious, but I think this is like picking an apple off a three-foot tree. It's low-hanging fruit. And then once LeBron gives the bait or the chum, then the shark circle, and it's easy pickings for everyone to kind of climb aboard and ask that question. But, Jason, I'm just telling you, as, as I'm preparing for this segment, I started thinking, since now LeBron once again wants to be the renaissance man who wants to be asked about different questions and wonder why, <coughs> hey, how come the line of questioning isn't about this? I, I'd have some questions for LeBron if I'm covering the next Laker game. I'd be like, uh, LeBron, tough shooting night, three for 19 from the uh, three-point line again. You guys got blown out by 15. But I had a question. Um, what do you think of Joe Biden giving a eulogy to a former KKK member? Do you think Jason Williams should, like, denounce that? Do we need to start all of that? Or how about this one? Hey, LeBron, you know what? Well, I'm a taxpayer. You're a taxpayer. We're in different brackets. What do you think about all the money being given to Ukraine? I mean, do you, don't you think they're over the salary cap, LeBron? Or you can go with this one. How about this one? LeBron, I know you're enjoying the uh, World Cup. Go USA. We made the Sweet 16, right? Let's hope it doesn't go any further than that. But does it diminish any of your enjoyment of that great game? with the slave labor used in Qatar to build those big stadiums. I mean, this is what LeBron's asking for, right? He wants to be the – and then just to lighten it up, on a lighten the mood, I'd say, LeBron, I know you say you're not a Cowboy fan, but come on, you like the Cowboys. Do you think the Cowboys should sign Odell Beckham? So, I mean, this is what I do like about Bill Belichick. I would hate to cover that guy because he's grumpy all the time. He's frumpy. And every time you give him a question that's anything not related to the specific game or the opponent coming up, he's just, well, you know, uh, you know, just stick to football here. No, we're on to Cincinnati. No, we're on to Cincinnati. But he's consistent with it. He doesn't try to be anything more than he's not. He's a football coach that cares about the actual game and the players. That's it. I can live with that. The problem with LeBron is he tries to turn the spigot on and off of when he wants to be the social justice warrior and when he just wants to be a dumb jock. And so... Because there's layers, it's a pie in terms of his motivation, it's yeah. percentages. And I think 70% of it to me is just like, I got to take this Kyrie Mulligan. But I also think there's a percentage <laughs> of it that's jealous of Kyrie Irving, that's jealous of Kyrie positioning himself as the, the bold, uh, controversial Muhammad Ali of his generation and, and LeBron is trying to take that mantle, that throne back. You know, there may be some truth to this, but I do wonder, and again, I asked the media press corps that was there when this happened, I just wonder why none of them, or if any of them wanted to just raise their hand and say, well, LeBron, you know, that's a great point. So let's address both of them. No one is saying you can't talk about both issues. So LeBron, let's go with Kyrie first, then we can get to Jerry Jones. I, I mean, what what was keeping him from actually talking about both issues as bluntly as he wanted to? But the problem is he can't, and he knows this. And see, LeBron wants to have it both ways. He wants to be the outspoken modern-day Muhammad Ali when it's pro-black. Let's be honest about it, right? But when it when he has to tell the truth and it goes against the black athlete and it goes against the the, the consensus of that 
group. Then he becomes, well, hey, we're just here to talk about the ball game. Which is it? And I, the media needs to have more intestinal fortitude or testicular fortitude to ask him, LeBron, you either want to talk about the game or you want to talk about issues or both. But you don't get to control it then. See, this is my biggest problem with Steve Kern. We've talked about this in the past. Anytime that there's a Uvalde shooting that can be politicized for from his perspective, he's the first one whimpering and crying, we got, we got to have gun control. Meanwhile, this guy goes into Philadelphia at least a couple times a year. Philadelphia on the daily has violence with guns. Never says a word. It's really, it, it's not even the stances they take, Jason, because I don't expect everyone to be in lockstep with one another philosophically. It is the hypocrisy uh, at what they espouse and what they push. And then when you push back, then it becomes, oh, well, we're just here to talk about the game, though. That we're just going to talk about the ball game. And that, that, to me, is the most maddening part about this whole issue. If the Lakers, 15-5, and five, atop the Western Conference, uh, a threat to win another title, do you think LeBron does this last night? I, I do. And I'll tell you why, because maybe in his own view – that emboldens him because now, look, LeBron's taking a lot of shots now. For the first time, I believe the majority of the basketball fans, because there's always been this like debate about him, centered first around Jordan and then Kobe when it came to Laker fans. So for as great as he has been, and he's been a great player, he's been one of the greatest that ever lived, his dominance is waning. So now people are more or less more critical of him than they've ever been. And now that the team is struggling and may not make the playoffs, he becomes a much easier prey. Now, if the Lakers are 15 and 5, first or second seed in the Pacific Division, he might feel actually more emboldened to, to make stances and say, hey, I'm LeBron James. Whatever I say goes. I am a thought leader for my community, right? But I think there's an issue here, though. Because he did not speak about Kyrie or shied away from it, Maybe it didn't matter what the standings are at this point. Because, look, the one thing about LeBron that I've noticed, and I don't know him, never met him, don't want to know him, don't want to ever meet him, doesn't matter to me. He does not, in my view, um, he cares too much about what the public thinks. I think he's easily influenced by his handlers and by the general public. I get the sense that every night he wakes up or every morning, no matter what type of game he had, no matter what's in his bank account, no matter what's in his personal portfolio, that even though he has what they call FU money and stature, that he probably wakes up, first thing he does is check this, probably checks the mentions. And if he says something that goes against the grain and he gets a little bit too much pushback, just, just my contention, he starts to adjust his opinion to get back in lockstep and to become that guy that everyone thinks is you know, staying on code. Certainly my argument. I, I was a little surprised, uh, and I don't know if you saw the clips that we played earlier in the show. Have you seen that? I, I want to, if you haven't, I want to show you what Jay yeah. Williams, part of what Jay Williams said. Yeah. You've seen that or you want to see it? Yeah, I, I have seen the clip, and I, I think, again, Jay, and, and I love your so, tweet. So hold for a second. I, I'm a little surprised that Jay Williams, because he's – 
had a little bit of an independent streak. I was surprised to see him do that today. But now go ahead. Jay Williams, denouncing, huh? Here, here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I talked about this. Uh, okay, what does denouncing really do? It's another form of virtue signaling. Again, um, Jay, uh, why, why doesn't everyone denounce the rioting and looting of 2020? Why don't you call for that? Why don't you call for the denouncing of Sam Sutton, Sam Bankman of FTX? What's, what's that really do? And this whole inference that Jerry Jones is a racist based on that one picture and to take that as a complete context of what went on. We don't know if he was actually blocking the students, whether he was part of that mob that was angry or a young bystander that was just looking on. And we've all done this when there's a large group of people and there's a commotion. We kind of look over. Look, every time there's a accident or a collision on a freeway, does everyone not rubberneck? That's why the traffic always comes to a halt, right? I see a lot of brake lights and then we speed off as soon as we see it. My view is if you're automatically going to say, and again, this is about having consistent standards. This is not going to be popular what I say, but this is what we do here. So if you're saying every one of those people, including Jerry Jones, that was there in that vicinity is a racist. That's the standard we're going to say. And I think we have the right to say anyone that was at the BLM uh, peaceful protest as businesses burned and there was rioting and looting, then they were participating and they were rioters and looters. Is that the standard we set? Is that the standard that we want to go by? If so, fine. But let's keep at it and let's be consistent. These guys, Jay Williams said it and Molly and Stephen A seconded it all this like. Oh, this was a monstrous time in the 1950s and people were getting killed and raped and people were saying all this. And, 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 and I, I listened to this and, and I was like, what time do they think we're living in right now? <laughs> Honest to goodness. And I'm not, I'm not saying that the 1950s and the racial animus weren't bad because they were. And, 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 and that, th- that that level of oppression was bad. I'm not sure it's like, and, and I get, this is where I try to explain to people about LeBron James and the way America works. And when you show that much physical talent at age eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, you immediately get removed from a, a, a culture and an environment that can destroy you because people are like, there's a pot of gold. If we can get this guy through the next seven, eight, nine, ten years, we'll get him to the NBA or to the NFL, and he's gonna make us rich and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, I listen to Stephen A., I listen to LeBron, I listen to Jay Williams, and I'm like, they live in a fantasy world. Because again, Stephen A's making 10, 12 million dollars a year. Jay Williams made a bunch of money in the NBA. LeBron's obviously a billionaire. Do they not know what it's like living in some of these poor communities right now? Uh, Jay. That it's more violent, more dangerous, more death than in the 1950s. Yeah. It's more dangerous. There's more gun violence. There's more sexual abuse. And it's like, oh, well, well, it's black people killing us. That's not as painful as when white people kill. Oh, there's black people molesting 
unsupervised children in these communities, that's not as bad as, you know, it was during slavery. And I'm like, what world do y'all live in? And so I don't have to go all the way back to 1957 to be concerned about poor black people or even poor white people or whatever. It's going on right now. You have nothing to say about it. These, none of these guys will let the vice lords, gangster disciples, crips, bloods, none of them will come out and denounce any of that, any of the terror that goes on in black communities on a daily basis. Nothing to say about it because, oh, we got to address what well, went on in 1957. <laughs> Miss me. Jason. Jason, I don't think they live in fantasy land. I will be willing to bet they live in a nice gated community among a lot of glacier gliders. Okay? That's the truth. And speaking of that term, Ock Nation News, who I've been watching for several years, does an excellent job detailing all this. He's done some videos on this about some of the violence that takes place in Akron, Ohio. That is the hometown where LeBron James was reared and he grew up. And he's made it a point and he's done several stories about this. He says, you know, LeBron has done some great things in terms of contributing to the school. He didn't build the school. He didn't fund the school individually. Let's get that correct. But he played a part, okay, and got a lot of headlines for it. But when a lot of this happens, uh, and by the way, didn't a young man get murdered on those school grounds not too long ago? Yeah, LeBron Ethan Lyman. Didn't really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Le- LeBron didn't really speak too much about it. You know, by the way, Jason Williams didn't never ask mentioned anyone. the kid by name. He's never uh, mentioned the kid by name. Jason Williams I, I, didn't ask anyone to denounce that. It's interesting. But the thing is, uh, of all that stuff that goes on in Akron, which is a rough area, LeBron James really doesn't say much about it. And Jason Williams never asked that places like this, uh, the activities and the violence that go on on a daily basis, Never ask anyone to denounce that. Because you know why? Because it's meaningless, it's empty rhetoric, and it accomplishes absolutely nothing. I'm going to give you one more, and, and then maybe we may squeeze in another topic here. But I, I want to give you one more just because it relates to L.A. Imagine if, when was the Rodney King riots? Was that 92? 1992, uh, yes. That's yeah. what it was. 1992, the Rodney King riots. And, and let's say a picture surfaced of some NFL coach or executive who grew up in L.A. and was in the vicinity yeah. where Reginald Denny got stomped out mm. and, and nearly killed, damaged for life. Would that person, whoever, and again, that, trust me, there were some people in L.A. during those riots and a lot of people, not just residents, got hurt, got destroyed, businesses destroyed, Korean business owners, people hurt, destroyed. Do, are we holding any kids that were witnesses to that are out in the street taking a look at what was going on? Are they, do they need to renounce, denounce racism? Do they need to apologize yeah. in 2022? for what we saw there. I, 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 I've, for years, I've been fascinated by the Reginald Denny beating 
and how people aren't like, in my view, properly outraged and appalled by that. This man's driving a truck, gets snatched out of that truck and gets destroyed on camera. But and again, those guys have gone to prison. They ended up, you know, capturing a lot of them. That's all well and good. But trust me, there's some former athletes, coaches or whatever from L.A. area that were around, participated in and certainly and or witnessed the L.A. riots. Do they need to apologize Mm -hmm. and and denounce racism and violence? Once again, just all good. The double standard, no standard. You know, a double standard for certain people, no standard for others. Jason, what I find really interesting about this, uh, the Dallas Cowboys have been owned by Jerry Jones since right around the beginning of 1989 when he bought the franchise from Bumbrights. That's a lot of years. Um, He's employed a lot of black athletes. How many of them have come out since that point and said, yeah, we knew he had racist tendencies? How many? I'm just like, I'm not just talking about the Michael Irvins or the Emmett Smiths that obviously have a great relationship, but I'm talking all those guys that were journeymen, special teams players, guys that had a cup of coffee. How many of them have come out and said, you know what, when I was around Jerry or I saw certain things or what he said to me or the way he acted, I I, I got a bad vibe about him. Uh, Unless, educate me, has there been any players of color that have said, yeah, we think think that uh, our owner was racist? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Steve, I asked the question earlier to Royce about, uh, and I don't know because I don't watch, but, and maybe you did. You watch the Monday episodes of First Take, usually, Michael yeah. Irvin's on the show. And so Stephen A is insisting that if he had been there, he would have asked LeBron James about Jerry Jones and how he, the media that were there. They should be ashamed of themselves for not asking LeBron about Jerry Jones. And I'm like, well, and I don't know because I didn't watch on Monday. Jason, Stephen Stephen A had an opportunity to ask Michael Irvin about Jerry Jones on first take. Did he do it? I don't know. Well, I saw a clip where Stephen A actually said, I'm very fond of Jerry Jones, and I think it's unfair. And you know what? We have to give Stephen A credit for going out there because he knows – there's going to be a large segment of people that are going to roast him for it. I was actually surprised he came out that hard in his defense of Jones. I, I was like, wow, Stephen A went there. But again, like you said, the give and take. I give you this, but I got to take that back. So none of this is surprising. Steve, I got to let you go. I don't, I don't want to get to these. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the Bills and the Patriots. Who's going to win tonight? It's a big Thursday night game. Uh, I may ask you about Deshaun Watson tomorrow. Did You know what? Hold on. I, I, I do want your take on one thing because I don't think it'll hold up till tomorrow. Uh, I want to play the Jerry Stackhouse video, uh, him getting tossed, and because I, I, want, I want Steve's take on this. Can we, can we call up the Jerry Stackhouse, Vanderbilt coach? He's in his fourth year. Uh, I think they're three and four. Uh, he had two horrible seasons his first two years. Then he, I think he went 19 and 17 last year. Somehow got a contract extension. It's not going well. He's playing at Virginia VCU, I think, last night and just went ballistic. And a security guard had to drag him to the locker room 
uh, last night. Jerry's an angry man. I, I'm not a big fan of Jerry. Jerry's not a big fan of mine. Uh, I don't. Did you see what sparked this, Steve? Kid on Vanderbilt's team dunked the basketball and then briefly patted his head, which basically means dunked on your head. And the ref gave the kid a technical. I get why Jerry Stackhouse was upset. I don't think I would have been as upset. Uh, I think there were seven, eight minutes left in the game. They ended up losing by five points, but they got a bunch of technical fouls and ended up losing the game by five points. Your thoughts? You know, it's one thing to get a technical. I, I hope he doesn't end up getting a felony, and I'm glad that was calmed down. One thing I do remember about Jerry Stackhouse, extremely talented player. I remember when him and Rasheed Wallace came into North Carolina after they won the national title. I remember thinking, wow, they might do a three-peat. That's how gifted Stackhouse was. Stackhouse had a pretty good NBA career. wasn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be, but one play stands out. I don't know if you remember this. It was a game, I, I believe, against the Phoenix Suns or maybe the Sixers. Him and Jeff Hornacek went up for this pass, and, 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 and they kind of jostled, and he just clocked Jeff Hornacek in the back of the head, one of the cheapest shots I've ever seen. I get it. Guys are going to fight. They're going to shove and push. Once in a while, they might even throw a punch that lands. The way he went at Hornacek was one of the cheapest things I've ever seen. And unfortunately, so based on that context and what's happened recently in that, I can't say it's necessarily a surprise. And I do wonder now, based on that, because let's face it, Jason, I, I don't think at the beginning of the week me and you were going to be saying, hey, Jay, Steve, uh, we're going to talk Vanderbilt basketball this week. Uh, the week after Thanksgiving, right? I mean, what are we going to do, a retrospective of Will Perdue? Uh, so I can kind of look at it and say, this is not a good look. This is what Vanderbilt wants. Vanderbilt's one of those programs that if they make the NCAA playoffs two out of every five or six years, and once in a while has a miracle run where they get to the Sweet 16, Jerry Stackhouse can like write his own check to a better job. Let's just be honest about the pecking order of college basketball and where they stand in the SEC. But if these are the headlines that you're bringing to that program, I, I just get the sense he might be really on thin ice. And perhaps right there, he's feeling the pressure. Certainly feeling the pressure. People have been upset and saying that, you know, he should have never got that contract extension. After you know going what I want to see? And 17 last this is year. what I want to see. You know, I don't watch a lot of college basketball. If you would schedule a game that ends up being a blowout one way or the other, and someone takes a dunk at the end when they shouldn't, when they break the unwritten rule, I want to see a game between Stackhouse and Vanderbilt and Jawan Howard in Michigan. Howard. Oh, 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 put that on pay per view. That put that would be fun. That'd be that, you know. What? I don't care about UCLA, Kansas, Duke. If you put that game, that'd be the one game I'd watch before March Madness if that happened. It'd be the only one. I wouldn't watch it again the rest of the season for the tournament, be honest. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Great job as always. Let's play some tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a off, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, 